In this week's teaching, Pastor Randy starts off a new series called Friendology, all about the relationships around us and sharing our faith with others. Let's listen into this message titled Friends Praying for Friends. Today we're looking at the theme Friends Praying for Friends. Now I'm going to read Luke 15, verses 1 and 2 from the message version of the Bible, and it talks about how Jesus had a way with people, even those who were not followers of the faith. How many of you know that we need to have friends that are followers of the faith, but we also need to have friends who are not followers of the faith? Why? Because um, we have the opportunity to bring those to faith in Jesus Christ. If we have nobody in our world that that doesn't know Jesus, then who are we going to bring to Christ? So Jesus had a way of hanging out with the sinners, but not doing what the sinners do. You know what I'm talking about? And we can do the same. In fact, to the point that the Pharisees, those were the religious people. Now, we don't have any religious legalists in this room, right? No, no, no. But we have people who love the relationship with Jesus Christ. The Pharisees started condemning Jesus. They even called him a friend of sinners, but they did it in a derogatory way. I kind of think it's a good way because Jesus had a way of befriending those who didn't have faith, but yet he would bring them to faith. Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. I'm reading from the message version of the Bible. It says, by this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus. What does that mean? Doubtful reputation, sinners, okay? Listening intently. The Pharisees and religion scholars, those were the religious people, were not pleased, not pleased at all. They growled. He takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. Well, what's wrong with that? (laughs) I mean, we got to befriend those who need Jesus and bring them to Jesus. Father God, thank you for the privilege that we have to be in your house. And as we gather together today, we do so in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. As we gather together, we get ready and prepared for the teaching of your word. We pray that your word would come alive in us and through us. Lord God, may we hear this word and may we respond accordingly. In the name of Jesus, we pray all this. Amen. You may be seated. A man named Greg was dealing with a turning point in his life. His wife um, threw him a surprise party for his 50th birthday. Many people showed up because Greg was a well-liked guy. In the days that followed that party, Greg was thinking about the people who showed up there to his surprise party. And he realized that the only one that he really knew was his wife. The men who showed up considered themselves friends of Greg, but in reality, they were not his friends because they didn't know Greg's deepest thoughts and hopes. They really didn't know him, and he really didn't know them either. After this, Greg began to take intentional steps to going deeper with his friendships. He got connected with one of the men's small groups at his church, and now he is enjoying genuine, real 
friendships. Today, as we talk about this theme, friendology, I want to begin by defining the word friend. Now, all of us should know what a friend is. I just thought it was curious to look it up in the dictionary. So I looked it up, and according to the dictionary, there are three definitions of the word friend. Number one, a friend is a person attached to another by feelings of affection or personal regard. Okay, I think that's good. We, we can identify with that. We don't need to explain that. Number two, a friend is a person who gives assistance, patron, or supporter. Someone who supports. And i got to give you an example. i got to give a shout-out to my buddy Raul sitting right over there. Because on Friday night, I was uh, speaking at a men's rally uh, in Lemming, Texas. Anybody been to Lemming, Texas? And it was about an hour's drive from here. And I spoke at a men's conference there. And, and Raul and brought, he, he went with his son, Stephen. And they were there. And afterwards, Raul was saying, I'm just here to support you, Pastor. I'm here to support you. And I didn't call him. I, he, just, he showed up. Thank you, Brother Raul. And, and I appreciate that. Thank you, Stephen. All right. But when I see friend is, is defined as a supporter, I think, oh, that, there it is. I just saw it in Brother O, where he would take an hour to drive over there, an hour to drive back, and sit through hearing me preach again on Friday night. Man, that's definitely a friend, huh? Number three, a friend is a person who is on good terms with another, a person who is not hostile. Hmm, person who is not hostile. So when we talk about friends, a few statistics come to my mind that I've read about. One statistic states that 70% of Americans say they are lonely. Now, I don't know how true that is, but even if it's anywhere near that, I think uh, we're living a little bit dangerously when 70% of Americans are lonely. Well, I kind of think that maybe it is true that we as Americans tend to lack genuine friendships. Another study was done back in 1985, and it revealed that the average person in America had three close friends who they could confide in. Then, 19 years later, in 2004, the same entity did another investigation, another poll, and they found out in 2004, they asked the question, how many close friends that you can confide in do you have? The number went from three to two. And I'm thinking, oh, we are dropping as Americans in people that we really can confide in. So when we think of friends, please don't give me the number of Facebook friends you have. No, no, no. You're not, you can't confide in all of them there, huh? Just a thought. And then in the same study, they said 25% of Americans stated they had no close friends at all. Hmm. And then I read that there is this thing in Japan that's spreading all over the world, and it's called Rent-A-Friend. When I read about that, I'm thinking, Rent-A-Friend? Why would people be willing to pay for a temporary friend? Well, probably because they have no real genuine friends. It's probably what's going on, and that's a shame. But I don't know if Rent-A-Friend has come to the United States of America or not, but we probably will get into that pretty soon if, I don't, if things continue to go the way they are. The problem is many people don't realize that God has created you and I for the purpose of relationships. Here's a great quote from Drew Hunter. He says, if we remove friendships from the world, half our joy 
goes right out with it. This is because friendship is the ultimate end of our existence and our highest source of happiness. Friendship with one another and with God is the supreme pleasure of life, both now and forever, and no one can fully enjoy life without it. Great quote, like that. Now, another statistic tells us that 98% of Americans who call themselves Christian do not share their faith with others on a regular basis. Wow, 98% of people who say, I'm a Christian, are not sharing their faith. That's, that's pretty sad. And I start thinking of, uh, about that, and, and I hope that you're not one of those 98%, but I asked you the question the past year or so, how many people have you brought to faith in Jesus? Well, hopefully, you're not part of those 98%. You're part of the 2% who are actively bringing people to faith in Jesus Christ. But I thought about that statistic, and I'm thinking, why is that statistic so high that so many of us who say we're Christians are not sharing our faith on a regular basis? Number one, maybe it's because we don't know how to share our faith. That's why every year here at Fortress Church in our Bible studies, we walk through. This is how you can share your faith. This is how you can be effective. To us here at Fortress Church, that is a priority. Number two, others perhaps do not share their faith because maybe they have a fear of sharing their faith. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that next Sunday. But sometimes we have a fear. Well, what if they reject me? What if I don't have the right words to say? But I also thought of another reason why perhaps 98% of Americans who say they're Christians do not share their faith on a regular basis, probably because we lack friends. Probably because we're just not relational as we should be. And because of that, we don't have people that we can really share our faith with. And that's pretty sad, but I believe that is actually reality. Now, I personally believe that the first step in bringing someone to Christ is praying for them. When you pray for an individual, the Holy Spirit begins to minister to that individual in ways that you cannot. Now, six years ago, we here at Fortress Church, we initiated a plan uh, sponsored by the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association called My Hope America. And in this plan, it's based on Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13, we walk through some principles we can learn about sharing our faith with other people. And I want to share that with you. In fact, let's read first Matthew chapter 9, beginning with verse number 9. Scripture says this, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. Let's stop right there. How many know that's the best decision any of us can ever make is to make a decision to follow Jesus? Amen? Is there anybody here who's made that decision? Amen? Amen. So he made that decision. It was the right decision. But here's the cool thing. Matthew just didn't do, he just didn't sit on his decision. He did something about it. Verse 10. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, what does your teacher eat? Or why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call the righteous 
For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So what is Jesus saying? He says, I want to hang out with the sinners. Why? Because <laughs> they need to come to faith. That's the purpose. Do we hang out with non-believers? Well, once again, if our purpose is to bring them the faith in Christ, yes. If our purpose is to do what they do, mm, there's a different situation there. Because there's always influence in friendships. Either you're going to influence them one way or they're going to influence you their way. you got to be careful about that. But Jesus was ridiculed. In fact, oftentimes called a friend of sinners. Why would you sit down and eat with these sinners and tax collectors? By the way, I hope nobody here works for the IRS. But anyway. Yeah, Matthew was one of those tax collectors. But anyway, he, 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 what did he do? After he made a decision to follow Jesus, he said, okay, he called all his sinners, friends, come over to my house, I'm having dinner, I'm having some enchiladas, come on over. And, and, and he, he made some good, good food, and, but here's the cool thing, he not only invited his sinners, friends, and, and tax collectors, he invited Jesus. That's a cool idea, to invite those in your life who do not know Jesus those who need Jesus, and then you invite Jesus there. I think that's a great, great particular strategy. So, My Hope America, Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, gave us this plan. We implemented this, and, and uh, it's, a, it's a great plan. I want to share with you because maybe some of you are in the position to do something like this. And um, the question I start off with is, do you have any friends in your life who you want them to come to meet Jesus? So the first thing we do is we create a Matthew list. What is a Matthew list? Well, it's a list of people that you want to pray for because you want them to come to faith in Jesus. In your bulletin, there is, you should have gotten a, a little bookmark. Brother Lane, can I borrow that just for a minute? Thank you so much. That's what happens when you sit on the front row, okay? It kind of looks like this. I'm going to give this back to you in a minute. It says right here, Matthew list, and it says, friends praying for friends. I will pray for these individuals. There's about 10 blanks on here. And what this is, is an inspiration for you to write down the names of 10 people that you rub shoulders with that need to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I believe you have more than 10 people, but I believe we can just write the names down and what is, what is this for? We begin to pray for them. We begin to intercede for them. Lord, would you send the Holy Spirit to minister to my friend? And call him by name. And then you, you put this in a place where every day you can pray for these people. If you have more than 10, use the back, okay? But if you put it in a place, if you read the Bible every day, put it in your Bible so you can pray for them. If you only open up the Bible when you come to church, put this on your fridge, Okay then maybe that way you'll be reminded to pray for these 10 people and pray that they believe that they would come to faith in Jesus Christ. Does anybody here believe in the power of prayer? Amen. In fact, I want to believe, in fact, does anybody here, could anybody here raise your hand and by this you're saying, I believe I'm a believer in Jesus Christ today because someone was praying for me. It could have been your grandma, it could have been mom or dad. Uh, look around right here. Just lift up your hand, hold it up. I would say more than half of you have your hand raised. You are a believer in Jesus Christ because somebody prayed for you. Amen? Amen. Now, can you turn it around and pray for others? 
This is what the Matthew list is all about. Okay, Lane, come on. Okay, because you're going to start filling this out, okay? Just like everybody else, okay? All right, that's what a Matthew list is there. You're going to pray, pray for people. Then what, what, I, <clears throat> what oftentimes we can do in this plan is you can do what's sometimes referred to as an outreach home group. Outreach home group. And what is this, according to what we did, and we did this six years ago, and I did it personally as I introduced, is those people you're praying for, maybe you pray for them a month or six weeks or even two months, and then you designate a day in a, in a place, perhaps your home, you invite them over your home, and you say, hey, come on over for dinner, and I just want to share a few things with you. And you can invite a whole group of people uh, in however many, we're going to have a, just a, a good time and, and you make a, you cook a good meal. When I did this six years ago, I was a single guy. I'm not a good cook. You know, I'm a pretty good eater, but I'm not a good cook. So I ordered out, and, and it, was, it was a good time, and, and we had a good time. But uh, I had 20 people show up that night when I did this, my outreach home group. I prayed for them, prayed for them. Once again, there's power in prayer. And, and one of the things we did is we showed a 30-minute video produced by the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, and it just gives the gospel message. After that 30-minute video, I myself, or they asked the leader to give a three-minute testimony, not a 30-minute testimony. How many know you can bore people by, if you go too long with your testimony? You can be concise, three minutes. I shared my three-minute testimony of what God had done for me. And then I asked everybody to bow your head. Could you bow your heads? Could you close your eyes? And once again, there's about 20 people. There was a few, a couple children, a couple teens. And when I said, would you like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Four people in my living room raised their hand, and they gave their heart to Jesus that night. And I just said, wow, that is a result of the power of prayer. Amen. We give God praise for that. These are kind of called outreach home groups. And um, whether you plan to invite people over your house or not, you can pray for people that you know, write them on your Matthew list. Now, keep that Matthew list. You know, I have my Matthew list on my cell phone, and I have in one of the places, I think I left my phone over there, but one of my notes on my, on my iPhone is just, is just people I pray for. And I'm praying for them. I constantly pray for people. Many of you know that last week, Brenda and I moved into a new home, and praise God for that. But one of the things that we did when we've been talking is we want to have an outreach home group in our new house because we are in a new neighborhood. We have new neighbors. We have new friends that we're about to meet. And one couple we already met. But uh, that's what we want to do. We invite them over. We want to have a good meal. We want to tell them about our faith in Jesus Christ. And, and there's one, one couple that we already met. They're already on, on our Matthew list. We're praying for them that the Holy Spirit would begin to work on their lives and draw them closer to Jesus and that God would use us for, um, for that purpose. So we plan to do that in our new neighborhood. Now, about a week and a half ago, I had uh, the task of handing over the keys to my old house to the future homeowner. And a um, lady, young lady who bought, bought our house, and uh, so it was a bit hard for me because I had like 16 and a half years. I mean, no, sometimes it's a little hard. And, uh, and I handed over the keys and I said, okay, this is just giving her a few things about the house and little things about that. And then I said, you know what? And I just, I hadn't planned to do this. I said, I, I don't know if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, but I got to tell you that, uh, that this house is blessed. And I said, 16 and a half years ago, I said, when we were building this house, 
we had the frame up, not the sheetrock. And I had a number of friends of mine come over, and we started writing scriptures and blessings on the door frames of our home. And then a week later, the sheetrock was placed on there. So this home, and I told her, you can't see it physically, but is blessed by God. And she just smiled and said, wow, that's amazing. And I took her to the room where I do uh, uh, the radio ministry uh, there when I had been doing it. And I said, this room, I've, I've uh, taught over, over a thousand radio programs over the last 13 years because um, you have a daily radio program and the word of God is being taught and proclaimed in this home. I said, this home is blessed. And she says, I could tell when I first came to see it, I walked through this house and there was just beautiful peace in this home. She told me that. And I said, are you, are you, uh, uh, are you a believer? She says, well, I'm not a church going person. So that was her way of saying she's not a believer, but uh, I'm not a church going person. Uh, and then, but then we, we talked and then, uh, one last thing before, uh, before we closed, I said, uh, I took her to the front door of, of my, um, old house and I showed her a mezuzah. Did anybody here know what a mezuzah is? I've taught on this before. And I said, this mezuzah, of course, is about this, this big. It's a, it's found in, in scripture in Hebrew where you put a little scripture scroll in there. And it's a reminder that when you enter your home, you are blessed coming in. And when you exit your home, you are blessed going out. In the Hebrew tradition, they would kiss the mezuzah to realize and receive the blessings of God entering your home and the blessings of God as you exit the home. I said, we've had that for years, my wife and I. We've had that for years in, in our home uh, because we believe in what the word of God says. And, um, and I said, you know, the, in the scroll there are the, the blessings of God. Now, it, here's the deal. If you want me to take it off, I'll take it off because that's the last item in this house. I had cleaned out the whole house and everything else. I said, but if you want me to leave it here, I'll leave it here. My wife and I, we've got a new mezuzah for our new home. And, uh, and so whatever you want. She said, no, 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 leave it there. Leave it there. Okay, I said, that's great. So she said, uh, I said, okay, well, I'll leave it right here. But just know that the blessings of God are upon you and your children. And then I said, can I do one more thing? Can I just pray a blessing over you? And, of course, she's like, oh, okay. You know, she has no idea what a mezuzah is. She had no idea what the blessings of God and, and all these are all about. But I said, and she said, yeah. So I prayed a blessing over her. And I said, Lord, would you just bless her and bless her children, bless this home, and may uh, your peace continue to rule and reign in this home. And I, just, I was just speaking words of life and blessing uh, to this lady who I didn't know before, but, you know, for some reason God put us together. Now she's going to be living in the house I used to have. And then when I, when I closed, she just says, I, and she just said, I just, you know, she was just tears coming down her eyes uh, and her face. And she just was overwhelmed by the presence of God. And I realized that I was there to hand over my keys to my old house. But I realized that God had given me an opportunity to reach out to somebody who needs Jesus. And so now she is on our Matthew list because I'm believing that she's going to come, come to faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> Can you think of someone you know who needs to come to faith in Christ? Write their name on your Matthew list. In fact, right now, even, even as I'm speaking, if, you, if you, someone comes to mind, just begin to write them down on your Matthew list. Here's a great quote from Kirk Cameron. He says, if you had the cure for cancer, wouldn't you share it? You have the cure to death. <laughs> I mean, no, you have the cure to death. 
Get out there and share it. Great, great quote. At Fortress Church, we believe that our calling is based on the great commandment that Jesus spoke of in Mark 12. Love God and love people. And we got to love people, and all that is about is, is improving on our friendology, the study of friends. Well, I mentioned that I had a mezuzah in the front door of my house, and mezuzah comes from the Shema, and I want to kind of correlate what we're talking about here. What is a Shema? We've taught you this before in Deuteronomy 6. It is a core scripture prayer of the Hebrew people. And there, it's a reminder of the power of God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. What is that? Love God. Verse 6, these commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses. Mezuzah. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. What is that all about? That God wants you to pass along the blessing that he's given to you to the next generation. God wants you to do that. What is that all about? It's all about a relationship. See, why did God institute these blessings? Because God has always wanted to bless us. God has always wanted to bless his people. And today he wants to bless you. He is all about relationships. God is all about relationships. And here's this. You and I were created in the image of God. So if we were created in the image of God, guess what? We are also built for relationships. We also need to improve on our friendology. That's what we need. We've been created in the image of God. People, may they, they may not realize it, but they were built for relationships. In fact, many people in America, if you're asking the question, what is a, the, your favorite sitcom of all times? You might get the answer, probably Friends is one of the most popular. Is it because of the humor? Maybe so. Maybe it's because of the storylines that it was a, a really good sitcom years ago. Maybe it's because people identify that, man, I wish I had a group of friends. Maybe because they don't realize it, but they've been built, we've been built for friendships, for relationships. Another popular sitcom of many years ago was a sitcom called Cheers. You want to go where everyone knows your name. Okay, all the old people said that, yeah. Well, I say that because uh, why did people go there to a bar? They went because they had friendships. They were relationships. Now, where they were going to the wrong place, but they had a need. They had a need. What was their need? Relationships. One of the characters was um, it was one who didn't have a relationship with his wife. So he wanted to spend all his time at the bar, okay? Yeah, but he was looking. He, even though he didn't have a relationship with his wife, he was still looking for a relationship. Then the other, well, the other guy, Cliff, he, he was single and had nowhere else to go. So that was his life. That was his life. That, that, was, that was him. But my point is this. People have in them, all of us have in, a need for connection, a need for relationships. And we need to understand that. An old scholar, J.C. Ryle, once said this, This world, this world is full of sorrow, 
because it is full of sin. It is a dark place. It is a lonely place. The brightest sunbeam in it is a friend. Friendship, I love this last phrase, friendship halves our troubles and doubles our joy. (laughs) I like that. Friendship halves our troubles and doubles our joys. How about 19 years ago, did you, anybody see this movie called Castaway? Where this guy was on a deserted island. There's nobody around. So does anybody remember who he befriends? A volleyball. You're right. Anybody remember the volleyball's name? Boy, you guys are avid. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> Why in the world would this guy on a, on a stranded, or stranded on an island be talking to a volleyball? It's crazy. Or is it crazy? I don't know. Yeah, maybe it is. But why? Because he was missing relationships. It's in us. We want people around us. We are geared to relationships. Bronnie Ware served as a nurse in Australia. Her job was to assist patients in their final weeks of life. What she did was she recorded their dying epiphanies in a book titled The Top Five Regrets of Dying. She would ask her patients what they would do differently in life if they had the opportunity. And believe it or not, the top answer was this. I wish I had stayed in touch more with my friends. Why did they say that in their dying breath? Because they realized what was most important to them is their friendships, their connections, their relationships. And whether we're young or old, we've got to realize that we have an influence over our friends and our friends have an influence over us. So can we make those influences positive? Let those influences lead you and them closer to Jesus because in the end, that's all that really matters. Is there an old friend you have that maybe you've lost touch with lately? Write their name on your Matthew list and begin praying for them. But also pray for an opportunity for you to meet with them, meet up with them. Now, there was one years ago when I had a, uh, an, one of my old friends from high school on my Matthew list. I wrote his name down, praying for him. And then, lo and behold, about a week later, I happened to run into him at a restaurant. Wow. Now, because I like to eat, that happens quite often. I run into people at a restaurant. But anyway, um, was it a coincidence that I ran into this guy about a week after I put his name on my Matthew list, was it a coincidence or was it ordained by God? I believe it was ordained by God. So I connected with him, got his phone number, and, you know, that happens. And I believe that God supernaturally can orchestrate you to reconnect with an old friend or someone who just needs to hear the gospel message. Write their name on your Matthew list. Is there a family member of yours who needs Jesus? Write their name on your Matthew list. And begin to pray for them. How can you pray for them? This week our Digging Deeper Notes is entitled Seven Ways to Pray for Your Friends. And I wrote out seven ways, seven scriptures, how you can pray for your friends. Have them over the Connection Hub for your Connect Group or for your personal study. I just want to help you, give you resources for you to pray for friends. Friends praying for friends. Is there someone in your life who's done you wrong? Well, guess what? They need Jesus to write their name on your Matthew list. Pray for them. Is there someone in your life who you used to be friends with, but something happened and your friendship was broken? Write their name 
on your Matthew list and begin to pray. Pray for them. Perhaps reconciliation will take place. Maybe there's someone who is a believer and is going through a difficult time. Write their name down. Pray for them. Friends praying for friends. Some of you know the missionary that we have supported for 24 years here at Fortress Church, Jane Christensen. She was actually with us in August, and this is a picture of some of us who went to uh, Juarez. Some of you here joined Brenda and I as we, uh, we blessed the children of Renovado with Christmas gifts. So this picture was taken three months ago. You see Jane next to Brenda there in this picture. Many of you know her story, and she actually shared it last August at the women's event that we had here. Jane shared that when her daughter was 17 years old, which was 18 years ago, she disappeared. Jane had zero contact with her daughter for 18 years. Zero contact. Jane didn't know whether her daughter was dead, didn't know where she was. She had little ideas of maybe, maybe there was some foul play. But this past Wednesday, four days ago, Jane received a phone call from her daughter that everything's all right. They are reconnecting. Jane even found out that she is a grandma of a six-year-old boy. Wow. And that's amazing. Now, I believe that's a result of prayer because she has people all over, including people here at Fortress Church, that have been praying for her for literally about 18 years. And uh, we've been praying for her for 18 years because, once again, we've known Jane for about 24 years, and God answers prayer. Friends praying for friends. That's what it's all about. There's power in prayer. Now, I want to close with four lessons on biblical friendships that we're going to be developing over the next couple of weeks. But let me just give them to you real quick so that we can prepare ourselves. Number one, Proverbs is a great resource to develop great friendships. Study the book of Proverbs. You're going to learn a lot about friends and how you can connect with people. Book of great wisdom. Number two, taking the initiative to befriend people will make a big difference. Taking the initiative to befriend people will make a big difference. Oftentimes you wait, well, let's see if they call me. Let me no, no, she hasn't called me in three months, so I'm not going to call her. And what happens to your friendship? It's broken. You take the initiative. You reach out. Do I hear an amen? amen. Number three, friendships with Christ followers will lift you up. Friendships with non-believers will lift them up. Friendships are valuable. See, one of the reasons we here at Fortress Church promote connect groups is that connect groups is a place where you can hang out with godly friends. Amen? You need people who you can hang out with who will lift you up, not take you down and lead you down the wrong path. And number four, prayer is the key to bringing your friends and acquaintances to faith in Christ. And I put acquaintances because sometimes we have acquaintances which are uh, not very deep, but yet we can still pray for those who are acquaintances. And we can bring, help pray for them to, so that they can come to faith in Christ. Now here at Fortress Church, we have some invite cards that we want to put in your hands before you leave. Maybe you have some. And they, they look like this. Sit with me at church this Sunday. There's some invite cards, and before you leave, I'm going to ask the ushers back there to have some in your hands as the people leave. I want you to 
grab a, a bunch. That's if you're going to use them. Invite people. These are great uh, conversational starters that can lead to talking about Jesus and talking about, about the Lord. Believe me, I've, I've, I try to take every advantage of, uh, of everything. I, th- this morning, I, I Ubered to church this morning, and I ended up uh, telling the dri- Uber driver about Jesus, and hopefully he'll show up next Sunday. Couldn't make it today, but, you know, uh, th- great opportunities. It could be total stranger, but you can do that. The other thing we have is our Easter at Fortress Church here, and it gives you all the things that we're celebrating in the next few weeks to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, let me just say this. I know, I know we at Fortress Church don't really care to use the word Easter because that is a reference to a, a goddess in, in Italy and not, not in reference to Jesus. We like to use the word Resurrection Sunday. Amen. Uh, but the world uses the term Easter. So that's why we created this in the form of Easter and uh, it's, it's all right to use the word Easter. Just, just know it's, um, the Bible doesn't use it, but the Bible does use Resurrection Sunday, right? Resurrection. But it's an invite to invite people to, to come, and maybe they can place their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Wouldn't it be great if you invite someone to church and they give their heart to Jesus Christ? That would be absolutely great. Billy Graham, let me give you one last quote from, uh, from him, and then we'll close just a moment. He says, prayer is crucial in evangelism. Only God can change the heart of someone who is in rebellion against him. No matter how logical our arguments or how fervent our appeals, our words will accomplish nothing unless God's spirit paves the way. Would you repeat after me, Lord God Almighty? I come to you in the name of Jesus. I thank you for creating me for the purpose of relationships. I ask you to send me opportunities for friendship and opportunities for sharing my faith. Bring to my mind people who I need to place on my Matthew list. I ask you for supernatural courage to take the initiative to share my faith with boldness. I believe that you will use me to bring others to faith in you. Amen. So be it. Does anybody believe that God will use you? Amen. Well, here on this podcast, we want to challenge you to create your Matthew list. So get out a piece of paper or get out your phone and your notes app and make a list of people who are in your life who are far from Jesus and write their names down on a list, five to 10 people or more if you have more friends and and challenge yourself to pray for them at least once a week as often as you can pray for them pray for their salvation um, and that's the first step towards effective evangelism also pastor randy produced a blog article 
entitled Seven Ways to Pray for Your Friends. He just mentioned it in the message there in the Digging Deeper notes. We have it online available to you. You can check it out at www.fortresschurch.org slash blogs. Love for you to check that out. Uh, Seven Ways to Pray for Your Friends. Thank you for checking out this week's podcast. We'll see you next week. God bless.